Hello, I'm AT. Welcome to the Bulldog Gear podcast, where we aim to open up conversations and create discussions around the practical habits, ethos, and philosophies of the most successful people in our industry. Here, we will endeavor to identify, unpack, and discuss the actions and habits of fiercely successful individuals in and around the fitness space in an attempt to create clear, actionable philosophies for you guys to experiment with and implement on your own journey of self-improvement. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. On this episode, we are joined by Ebenezer Samuel. Ebenezer is a trainer, a writer, and the acting fitness director of Men's Health USA. Eb and I obviously have a lot of professional parallels, and it was great to really get into fitness in the media, the role of print media in the age of social media, the importance of long-term thinking when we're in a position to reshape culture, and our thoughts on the nuance of sensational headlines and cover stories. I really, really enjoyed this conversation and I'm already looking forward to unpacking the superhero body phenomenon in part two. Enjoy. Hey, Ebenezer, how you doing, dude? I'm doing good. It is late here, but uh, you know, I got done with the workout, got a little caffeine in me, so I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for uh, joining me. It's like what, like half past 1.30 a.m. there, right? Um, it, uh, a little shorter at one thirty. Don't remind me of the time. Yeah, yeah. Then my body will probably realize I'm supposed to be asleep. Yeah. yeah so I, I got, I was getting set up for this at five thirty a.m. and you, you were logging on at like one a.m. So, but this is probably going to be a tired, tired conversation on both ends. So, I apologize to any. If there's any long pauses, listener, it's probably because one of us has drifted off. Um, <laughs> dude, for for anyone listening who doesn't know, I wonder if you could give us a. a kind of brief or as long as you like uh, potted history of, uh, of who you are and the position you're in now and kind of how you got there yeah um yeah I'll, I'll work to keep it short here so we can get to the good stuff after that um so i'm ebenezer samuel i'm a cscs trainer um and i am the fitness director um at men's health um american edition um i also i work a lot with women's health over here so i do some kind of directing across brands for um for Hearst in terms of fitness, which is a really cool role. Um, I wound up doing a lot of video work for us. I kind of edit all of our magazine copy, oversee a lot of the web copy and the direction just that we're trying to take fitness as a brand. Um, The Reader's Digest version of, and I think I just faded myself there, of how I got into this is I I, I came up um, a huge fan of kind of superheroes, but quickly realized that you can't fly off a building and things don't work that way. Um, the closest thing to me for superheroes is in, is in two ways. One, it's it's athletics. You watch brilliant athletes doing amazing things. You watch Odell Beckham in American football making a single hand, a one-handed catch. Um, Michael Jordan um, flying across, you know, from the foul line and dunking a basketball. Things like that are one way that you know, I think everyday humans have, have a chance to tap into superhero ability. Um, the other thing is obviously the body, right? You know, looking strong, kind of having that physique. I kind of grew up, you know, wanting to be, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, wanting to be, you know, wanting to be, wanting to look like Superman. And I think that's what got me into the gym. So I spent from probably like age 12 on, I've been around fitness, whether that was, um, you know, gymnastics or playing sports or strength training and kind of learning the ropes of strength training. A lot of it was self-taught early on. Um, eventually I got my certification, but um, I went into media to cover the athletes because I didn't think I could really have a career in fitness. I, that wasn't very evolved kind of where I grew up. Um, so I was like, 
well, the closest thing I can get to superheroes is covering athletes. So I wound up writing for a couple of years um, about the American football, um, about uh, the NBA, about uh, Major League Baseball. Um, and it gave me a really cool chance to, one, kind of be around athletes and kind of discover that they don't really train themselves, but there's usually a trainer kind of telling them what to do. Um, and two, just to kind of, uh, eventually I was picking the, the brains of the trainers who these, who were training these athletes. Um, and especially with baseball, especially with baseball and just rotational power and, you know, the art of pitching, the art of swinging, just gradually kind of learning, um, and having more conversations about biomechanics and how the human body works, um, how injuries happen, um, how they don't, how we prevent them. And all of that kind of led me to about five years ago to the job I really, really wanted, but hadn't really understood that I could have for a long time, which was uh, initially fitness editor of Men's Health. They had an opening, so I applied there, moved on from the New York Daily News. Um, and then that eventually evolved into the fitness director position it is now. In that, in that time, um, in previ previous previous time at Men's Health, and obviously like, you've got a cool history there, in that you you've been kind of in both streams in terms of in terms of media and fitness. Coming into Men's Health, what sort of um, observations of of fitness media at large, and not sport media, but you know, real nuts and bolts fitness media? What was your what were your personal kind of thoughts and observations about you know what was available at the time? Um so the two, the two big, I'll, I'll kind of go back to kind of childhood and coming up. The two big things that, you know, I was kind of a skinny kid, wasn't, you know, and I wanted to learn how to do a push-up. That was my goal when I was 13. Can I do it? Can I figure that out? Um, and, you know, I wasn't really sure how. And eventually I kind of, I kind of, the thing that got me into fitness and got me into, um, there, there's kind of another, you know, initially it was playing sports. Um, but there's another way to do this and there's kind of a methodical way to build strength and to learn how to do a push-up. that was men's health men's health and muscle and fitness wound up being the two magazines where i thought i was learning the most about fitness eventually i wound up going to a gym and once i was in the gym and talking to you know other trainers talk well at the time i wasn't a trainer so talking to trainers period um, talking to, you know, you, you always talk to the old guy who can somehow bench 315 pounds in your gym and he has all the secrets. Um, got a chance to, to train with a couple of bodybuilders coming up um, in kind of small town Pennsylvania. But as I talked to them, I think I kind of started to realize that a lot of what was in, in the magazines, whether that was men's health and muscle and fitness, those were the largest influences on me. A lot of what was in the magazines didn't really work and kind of felt um, a little bit overly sensational, didn't feel like real fitness. And it also wasn't getting me to my goals. I'm a literal kind of guy. So when, when I would read on the cover of any magazine, oh, you can gain three inches on your arms in 30 days, I would actually think if I do that workout, I could gain three inches of art on my arms in 30 days. And when it didn't happen, um, because I'm also some, I'm very big on personal responsibility and personal accountability. When it didn't happen, I kind of blame myself. Well, I guess I screwed up and I did that workout wrong. Um, and so I, I think it took me a while to outgrow that, but I arrived at men's health 
with that kind of idea in the back of my mind, I arrived at men's health thinking that I kind of needed to clean everything up, right? Because, um, because all the promises that were made to me as a youth were not really delivered on in the magazine. And the magazine also, you know, it's like we live in an age of kind of variability and very creative movements that have really specific use cases. Um, And, you know, I didn't feel like those were in the magazine. So I also felt like, I felt like I had outgrown men's health and I needed, and this was when I initially started to be clear, and I needed to help men's health grow up. And I think that was a huge misconception on my part. And it took me, it took me a little bit to kind of find my footing and understand what the mission of the magazine was and how I was really supposed to use the platform. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I completely uh, understand. And um, there, there's some definitely some parallels there between the, the two of us in <laughs> Do you think that in some ways, because you, you know, you'd been in the industry and you'd been, you know, training personally for so long, uh, it can lead to a kind of fundamental, not a disconnect, but maybe just a, you need a slight recalibration of, of who the magazine is, is kind of not aimed at because, you know, it needs to be aimed at everybody because it's available to everybody, but who the, we, I guess we're kind of in a field where what we talk about needs to work for 75% of people, 75% of the time, right? If we can't, it's not that we can't get into the weeds, but it's that we do, we probably shouldn't all the time. And do you, do you think that sometimes as fitness professionals outside of the media, we make the mistake of, of maybe misunderstanding our audience a little bit sometimes? Yeah, I think, I think we make the mistake a little bit of, of misunderstanding our audience audience and also misunderstanding the purpose of the form you know if somebody kind of comes to me for a training session and their goal is to i think i think one thing i've learned to ask a lot just in in just the way i view fitness in general aside from how i view it as a as a media professional is what's the goal because if i if if i don't start with that question then i just kind of apply my worldview and my goals and that doesn't work for a client one-on-one and it also doesn't work for a broader publication or I don't believe it works effectively for a broader publication and so when I got to men's health and I think now obviously I understand it a lot better when I work with brands however um, I start with that question of what's the goal and I think the question of what's the goal for the the publication the reality the reality is whether you're at men's health or muscle and fitness or men's journal, that's another big one out here. Regardless of that, we're only going to get to give people kind of a small micro dose of fitness, you know, like 10, 15 pages max. Right. And in that space, I think it's as much about being technical and like you said getting into the weeds we want to give them the right information we want to give them a good workout but i think we also have to balance that trainerness of wanting to give them the right information and wanting to give them a good workout and wanting to hit all these proper notes about a workout with something else which is we have to inspire them because that's and and that you know I would, I would go back to when I was 10 and 12 and 13 again, and I was trying to gain those three inches of arms in 30 days. I don't, 
I, I don't, I firmly believe that that was the wrong way to inspire yeah. me, but it was a really, but it, it got me to pick up the magazine. It worked, right? It yeah. got me to do the workout. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's our goal is to inspire. I think at a base level, it's, it's like, let's inspire guys. Let's get them moving. And along the way, they're going to build muscle. They're going to feel better. Um, they're going to move better. They're, we're going to give them longevity. So if I have to, so I think I understand that a little bit more. Um, I think I understand that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't. Uh, I agree with you 100%. I definitely think there's a there's a middle path, right, where it's understanding. We're definitely in the um, we're in the the day and age of the of the kind of it's it's cool to be the the kind of pessimistic skeptic, right? So I think particularly in that, and I don't, I can guess and I can see kind of from here what it looks like over there in the States, but in the UK, especially it's, we're at maybe a kind of a bit of an inflection point where that's almost a business model now for a lot of online trainers. That's the business model. It's how do I set myself apart from everybody else by pointing out what everybody else is doing wrong, which I, you know, I can't really get on board with. Um, but it it is what it is. And I think a a lot of that time, a lot of the time, it's almost like if you're putting out this, you're constantly saying like, you know, people just need to stick to the basics. People need to do this. People need to do that. And I fundamentally agree with that. But why aren't people doing it then? Why aren't people doing it? What are you missing? Like it's understanding that there is this fundamental kind of, people do want something interesting to look at and you do need to deliver it up in such a way. And that's not, you know, I'm obviously like yourself, I'm not saying, Hey, you need to be promising three inches on your arms in 30 days, but it needs to be something there that's attractive to people and everyday people. Right. And that's not necessarily, that's not people like you and I, because we're already bought in and we already love this. We, we find the, the lamest stuff interesting, right? Like it's not hard to get us interested in fitness because we love it. But for the every, you know, for the majority of people who don't love it and they want to just use it as a means to an end, we've got to dish up something nice, right? We'd, if it was that simple, we'd all just, you know, be in soil and green, right? With no, uh, we wouldn't care about the taste of food, but we do. We want something that tastes good and we want something that is inviting. And it's the same with this information, right? Yeah. And I think, I think so much of it goes back to how, like, like you said, we're, you and me have already bought in. I'm mm-hmm. going to get done with this and probably not sleep and just go do 300 burpees because I'm going to be so inspired by this conversation. But um, yeah, you and me have already bought in, but I think, I think the thing we have to remember as fitness professionals and especially as, as fitness professionals who cross into the fitness into media is the relationship a lot of, other people have with fitness and how that's evolved, I think, in part because of, you know, the, the attitudes um, and the messages conveyed throughout the 80s and 90s. Um, just about, you know, that was, you know, 3% body fat is, yeah. you know, I mean, Arnold, I, I grew up on Arnold, but at the same time, that's a really, really tough bar. Um, in America here too, I don't, I'm, I'm guessing you guys had something similar, but gym class, gym class, um, you know, there was a point where, you know, everybody had to, you know, it's like, how many pushups can you do? How many pull-ups can you do? You're asking 10 and 12 year, you know, 12 year old kids to do pull-ups at a time in, in our country where, where those 10 and 12 year old kids are increasingly 
um, sitting down and, and getting really, really comfortable in front of their TVs, their video games, their computers, and not kind of being active enough to just automatically have a pull-up, right? Um, and all of that, those children then grow up and they're 20 and 25 and 30 right now. And they're, I don't, I don't want to over-exaggerate this, but to some extent, they're, they, they have bad memories of gym class. It yeah. wasn't, it wasn't fun. And, and those are the, those are very often the people who are picking up men's health magazine and trying to get into fitness. And maybe, you know, they've gained weight. They worked through the, you know, they were trying to get their career off the ground. Um, and, you know, so it's almost inappropriate for me to, you know, put in my hundred pull-up challenge for next month because it's just not, it's not what they need. And it's not gonna, it's not something that it's something I would love to read, but it's not going to work for anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'll be in conversation with people uh, about stuff and I'll hear kind of like, Oh, it's a bit basic, isn't it? But my sort of stock retort now is like, yeah, because this is for sale on a, on the shelf of a, of like a corner shop. It has to be, Mm -hmm. it has to be basic this has to be lowest common denominator because who, who they're the people that need it the most. Right. Um, if you are creating, and I think this is one of the biggest disconnects that maybe social media has created in terms of it's in some regards, having that instant feedback of being online and and not just social media, but you know, uh, YouTube or just, just generally remote coaching, et cetera, is great because it gives you immediate feedback and you can, you can work and recalibrate from there within the absence of that you're forced to work, I think, to, as I say, the lowest common denominator. You have to, you have to ride it. And that, you know, when I'm doing copy, and I was just saying this into, in the shoot the other day, uh, to, uh, they had this great guy, Brandon, who was modeling. And I was like, look, we have to, I know you maybe wouldn't necessarily yourself perform the move this way, but I need to do it. I need you to do it so that the, <laughs> um, I used a less, I used a less kind of, um, polite term but kind of someone who can (laughs) someone who maybe doesn't necessarily have any background in fitness or they might have a low um, comprehension of what we're talking about can look at it and be able to go away and perform it and that that's what that's the person we have to cater for right when you're online you can see you can see and you create and you curate your own audience but we don't have that kind of luxury right we we don't know who's reading this um and that's, I think that's the challenge, but I think that's also the beauty of it, right? Because it, you know that we can target the people who probably wouldn't find their way to us otherwise. Yeah, exactly. I think the magic of what we get to do, what's become the fun part for me is, you know, people have like a bad relationship with, you know, they have those bad memories of a push-up. They know they can't do a pull-up. The pull-up is, for me, the last thing I want somebody to do. Just any anything overhead is the last thing I'm going to I think you're going to figure out for a lot of reasons. Um, but you know, squats, all these, all these exercises, people don't necessarily, and they've also, they've also heard them before. Right. So how can I get, I think the challenge or, or the fun part for me of building our monthly workouts and working with different trainers to build those monthly workouts is how can I elicit a certain response because I know the reason I want somebody to do a push up anyway is so that, you know, they get core and glutes and, you know, they, they develop that horizontal pushing power. How can I make that look different and new for them 
while still hitting the same notes. And I think it's kind of that halfway in between what we've had to do or the way I try to think about it is sort of halfway in between. I really just want you to learn a push up, but I know you're sick of push ups. So what can I give you that is not a push up, but hits the same response and feels more fun to you. Um, and maybe have, you know, maybe that's, um, a single arm bench press, right? Um, and I think that's where, um, that's one of the, one of the lessons I've le- I learned from Instagram was, you know, I'm, I'm completely content to do the exact same workout and to program the exact same workout three months in a row. Um, because that's probably all most guys need, but, um, but most guys then are going to, you know, you get back to that idea of inspiration. Most guys then are going to realize I'm giving them the exact same workout and they're going to go look at Instagram instead. So I think we're kind of competing with that and we've just got to balance. We've got to find a balance between just enough variability for it to feel fun and still giving people the consistency they need. Cause I need you to hinge. I need you to squat. I need to push and pull every month. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a massively important point you've just mentioned because that's, that's where we're at, right? That's the time we're in is that time of, um, you and I know that in order to progress, we probably need some landmark or benchmark stuff that needs to be in there so that you continue, you know, the idea of variability is great, but not, not randomness. They're not the same thing, yeah. but having the understanding to sort of step back and look at it, look at it from the kind of, um, you know, look at it from the kind of the satellite view and go, well, yeah, of course, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's it's the bench press or it's seated shoulder press or it's it's whatever it is. Kind of yeah. stick to the basics, stick to the basics, which is right. But I think it lacks an understanding of not everybody is us. Not everybody wants to stick to the basics. And what I, I find myself having to have this conversation, sometimes almost an argument with people where in the end I have to boil it down to like, look, would you rather see people doing it the way you think they should be doing it or not doing it at all? Yeah. Not training at all rather than doing, you know, a bit of variety or a bit of this. And me personally, I'm like, look, however you want to move. Like I love this. I yeah. love the intricacies. But if my mom turns around to me and says, Hey, I'm, I'm loving Zumba. I'm going to be like, great. I'm so glad that you're moving. I'm not going to be like, no, you need to be combining, um, you know, uh, 180 minutes of resistance training every week with 60 minutes of zone two cardio. You need to, I'm not going to, you need to be ensuring you're getting a push ball, a hinge, a squat, some twists, some court stability. She's just not going to do it, right? Yeah. And the, 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 I guess the, the privilege we have and the challenge we have is creating the thing that people are actually going to go away and do in the, in the absence of that feedback that social media uh, gives people. Yeah. It's it's one of the, one of the interesting reasons I got into social media in the first place in terms of, uh, in terms of um, social media fitness was actually because of something. And it's also the reason I've, I've started to, there was a point for me where I was not a very big fan of, of all these kind of apps that are out there either. Best experience, coach, uh, best experience with me training you is always going to be in person because yeah. I can, I, and and I believed that that was the only way that I could really train you. You know, that, because I can cue you, I can protect you, um, I can properly advance you, and that was going to be it. And then, um, 
probably three, maybe four years ago, um, somebody approached me about getting on an app. And my initial answer was no, because I'm not going to be able to give anybody real custom programming on there. It's not going to be the authentic end user experience. Um, and his counterpoint to me stuck with me because it was a really good point too. Because I don't, I think the other thing we're up against is um, is it's not that people aren't aren't going to do it at all. It's if we if we kind of put all, I think putting all those barriers and, and creating too many um, disses of other people's workouts. Um, you know, telling your mom not to do Zumba, eventually she's going to tune you out if you yeah. say that. Um, and she's not just going to tune you out, but she's just going to cease to kind of respect that opinion. And there's so much other stuff. Like Zumba is a lot safer than, say, 25 backflips into seven burpees yeah. into, you know, a flying push-up that she might see on Instagram. Yeah. And, and again, she's not, she's obviously not going to try that, but I think the thing that stuck with me that this guy said was you can either have them training with you on the app yes, or you can have them training with all those other trainers who yeah. you, who you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah that, yeah. that was the, I think we, yeah, it's the same thing with media as well. Right. It's the same thing as media. You can either, and this, this was it for me it's very easy anyone now can get their camera phone get themselves a nice vanity light stick it on a tripod and do you know a, a 60 second video of why everything is wrong and everything is so bad why don't you get inside and try and affect changes then because as you say people are doing people are buying these magazines anyway people are going on these apps anyway people are going on social media anyway there's definitely a place and i you know i it would be very hypocritical of me to sit here and criticize people who criticize people right there would be some <laughs> meta, you know I, that'd be dripping in irony so i'm not going to do that i do think there's a place for it uh, i do think you know you know yin yang left cancels out right is she, she, <laughs> it works but i shouldn't have said left and right there that was a bad um but for me personally and it sounds like the same for you like you say well if you if you're not there someone else is going to be there and i think particularly for the for the bigger platforms if you if you actually really care, make a change because otherwise, a lot part a big part of me thinks otherwise you're just waxing your ego. Otherwise, you just want to be the guy there saying, like all this other stuff's wrong, therefore I'm right, and that people miss that that obvious kind of distinction. Whereas if if you're saying, if you're making that, you're kind of creating a sort of illusion of a dichotomy, right? By saying, this is rubbish, this is rubbish, that's wrong. These guys don't know what they're talking about what you're kind of presenting yourself as is I'm the one who does know, which for me is that there's a lot of hubris there. Yeah. I, there's a lot of hubris there. And I think it, that's, that's kind of also become general fitness marketing. And I, yes. I understand, yeah. I, I, I understand it and I understand why some trainers kind of gravitate towards that yeah. because if you can frame yourself as the, as the only way yeah. to hit 8 million goals, then, then suddenly you're, you know, if, if people buy that, you're, 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 you're making a ton of money versus yeah. if, if you frame it yourself the way you probably are, which is I'm a really, really good trainer and I kind of have an approach and it may work for you and it may yeah. not. <laughs> um, yeah. That's not going to get as many, as many, um, as many sales. So I, I, I get it. I think what we do, cause one of the, one of the series is we've been working on, in video here at men's health um on our mental health muscle channel 
and it's a really fun series for me. It's called Overrated. Um, and yeah, I love what those. we do. Uh, you've been watching them. <laughs> you, you've been, yeah, and you, you guys been catching some stick, right? The the um the 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 guy the uh, you know the militant deadlifters come out in the comments, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, militant get deadlifters and um and kettlebell fans <laughs> who uh, but the what what we're trying to do, and and it is, it it is tricky, but what we're trying to do is not is not just um is not just slamming an exercise even though there is that and that's always the balance and it's taken me a while to figure out how to properly direct that show because the idea and the vision for that show was less to just pointlessly slam an exercise and more to um because i think one of the barriers to entry for for general population fitness is this concept that um you have to do yes you have to Mm-hmm. You're not fit if you can't do a Turkish get up, if you can't do um, a barbell deadlift, you know, if yeah. you can't do a pull up. And this so, is the real measure of a man. Yeah. Exactly. And so, what we were trying to do was kind of recontextualize a couple the way we view some of these exercises. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like, maybe a burpee isn't the first thing you should do in the gym, even though everybody else in your group fitness class is, um, is doing that right now. Um, maybe a Turkish get up isn't, isn't something you have to do on day one. Right? That's what we're trying to recalibrate and then also help people understand you have alternatives to these moves. Because I think one of the trickiest things with fitness is I believe on some level, you as the user, you as the consumer of fitness have to take, we're doing everything, you and I and, and every good trainer out there is doing everything to protect the user from yeah. themselves on some level. Um, but we don't know everything. So you have to, as the consumer, take responsibility um for saying no i can't do that exercise or this hurts or you know and i think we're finally start we're trying to get people to that point a little bit with that overrated show even you know it has a salacious title obviously but i think you know it's we're trying to strike that balance between um criticizing something but also like empowering the user hey do these three things instead yeah yeah this is actually something i really want to get into there and that that's a great um kind of segue on a personal level uh i we had a really similar thing recently where i'd, I'd written a piece and it was it was essentially like just upgrading some movements but it, historically just, just for context it was like you know instead of uh, push-ups his ring push-ups and it was like movements upgraded and it was a big feature and you know instead of bench press uh, we're looking at incline dumbbell bench press and I'd, I'd written all the reasons why you might do that what might uh, what the benefits were, what the contraindications were, who that might specifically be for, you know, all the good stuff that we love. And that I kind of thought historically you would have that kind of, as you say, like salacious head that might be yeah. something like you, you, you don't know how to bench press type thing. <laughs> and it wasn't, yeah. it was like five moves you're doing, you could be doing better. And for me, that was such a, I, I sat with that for like five minutes when I saw the head and I sat down and I was like, that's great. That's, that's yeah. where I want it to be. At. I want it to be like, Hey, if you bench press, like have at it, like you're saying, like you're not trying to slam it pointlessly. For me, I think the more, like you say, it's very, it's a barrier for people. If they think when they go into the gym, they need to be doing the same 10 exercises and they need to be done pitch, you know, pitch perfect uh, I'm not advocate, you know, I'm not saying just do it any which way, but I mean that it's on a spectrum, right? Um, 
or else. And I don't think a lot of people in the fitness industry can understand how disempowering that is for people. It makes it seem like this is a test. This is complicated. I need to be doing everything right. And the way we can fix that is by creating more options. The more availability there is, the more people and variability, the more people can go, okay, like I don't need to be doing the same things because I might not necessarily be able to do them or I might not want to do them. But if we can create more options, and I, this is kind of what I would say, the more options we can create, the more opportunity for progression we can give people and the opportunity to find the version of this thing that they like because it might not be and actually chances are you know over seven billion people chances are the version of this thing they're going to like is probably not bench back squat deadlift right yeah it's probably not going to be that otherwise powerlifting would be huge and it's not it's niche <laughs> we we can miss sight yeah. of that because the you know the echo chamber we create for ourselves and the the silo we live in but most people probably aren't but to your point earlier, I do think you're right. It is hard to sell that, isn't it? And I always, I always yeah. joke with my family being like, <laughs> it's very hard. I'd be a millionaire, but I'm always telling people, yeah, you know what? Most things work. Like I, yeah. I've been around, <laughs> like I can help you, but you, you could, you could probably do, you could probably figure this out for the most part on your own. But if you, you know what I mean? That's not a very, uh, that's not a very good sales tactic, is it? Yeah, it, and it's a unique balance too because it, it, it's neither a good sales tactic, um, and also like sometimes giving people the new. Sometimes they just sometimes some people just want to be told what yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember. I remember. I went to the gym with because um, I love giving people the complete. Ex uh, you probably could tell from my Instagram videos. I love giving people the yeah. complete explanation of exactly why you're doing something and exactly where, like every single angle. That's like yeah. my default. And so when I train with. Um, and I get excited. Like that's, that's what, that's what I get excited about. And so when I would, when I initially got to myself, I assumed everybody was into the exact same stuff. Yeah. And I remember training with, um, with, uh, I, I think he was, he was the video director at the time. We went to the gym and he, he's a guy in good shape. We had talked about the back squat and all this, you know, we had talked about how he, he was deadlifting more and all this other stuff. So I was like, he's going to, we're going to have a blast. We're going to train arms. I'm going to, um, I'm going to, you know, we're going to do my workout because he was down to do my workout. And so in between every exercise, saying, okay, so we're doing this, we're changing angles here. This is doing this. You're getting this kind of feedback. And halfway through the workout, he was like, he was like, don't take this the wrong way. Can you please shut up? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm pretty sure I turned red, but, but it was a good lesson. In, you know, sometimes um, I think we as trainers um, and, and that's also the, the magic and the trick of the magazine too. And, that's why I think it's really, really good to that we're very often forced to describe an exercise in 30, 40 words or less, right? Um, and at first, I'm like, no, I, I, I cannot tell you how to do a push-up because I want you to screw your hands in. I want you to squeeze your glutes, squeeze your abs, keep your – all of this stuff. Um, but if you force me to do it in 30 to 40 words or less, one, that's probably the attention span of my reader. Yeah. And two – and, and that's not meant in a bad way either. But two, I'm, I have to really think about my cues and choose the important yeah. stuff. Um, that's why I think it's really, really important for both you and I and, and anybody who writes for a magazine, if you're, if you're writing in the capacity of a trainer, to um, try to train people in real life. Because then, I mean, every single time we're working with a, with a live client, 
we're making a choice on, okay, these are the, the two to three cues I really need to hit. Yeah. 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 Exactly that. And I, I think, um, you can, you can get too far away from that as well. You can spend too far out of that. And, um, and I don't even mean necessarily working with a big thing that happened for me recently was I started training at a gym and that probably sounds odd, but I've always just, tra- <laughs> you know, I've got a home gym or I've always just trained on the road or wherever I am or in CrossFit boxes or, and you kind of, I think it can really not pervert but it can really influence kind of how you view this thing at large right and this is kind of where social media is good but they're not good because you choose who you follow so i've started training at this real small commercial gym it's in, it's in a golf club um and it's like the most the best way i can conceptualize it is it's the best cross section of society for me because it's not high end but but it's not um, it's not mega budget. It's not high end. There's 17 year old, like, uh, people from the local sixth form college go there and there's like the 50, 60, 70 year old golfers who go there. And it's like, it's just this huge swath of, of pretty much society. And it's not a huge gym and it's not specialized. You know, it's, it's just, it's, it's kind of like, it's a good, good ish hotel gym. And, uh, I initially just started going there to use the sauna and I thought, oh, you know, I train while I'm here. And then I, so many of my preconceptions were just instantly put. I felt like, uh, I felt like kind of uh, Toto pulling back the curtain and, and seeing the little man operating the wizard of Oz. Right. I was like, Oh shit. So many things that I now have begun to take as given when I'm writing, like, oh, you know, people know how to do that or people don't do that. I was wrong. I was totally wrong because I'd spent too long still training people one-to-one, still getting that feedback. But perhaps the people who are now gravitating towards me are a bit further along in their journey or they kind mm-hmm. of already, I don't, I'd stopped kind of thinking, as you say, do I, how much do I need to cue this? When I know how to do this. And then I'm seeing people doing these things that I thought were long gone because of this silo I was in. And I suddenly, I remember the first time I, I trained in the gym and then I went to do my heat afterwards. I'm sitting in the sauna and I'm like, dude, you're getting it wrong. And you're, these are your readers here as well. So the, the, you need to recalibrate majorly. And yeah. I think that's, that's kind of our position, right? With, with, the, with the mags and with, with print media especially, I think it's really easy to, and it, when you when you notice it, it's actually hilarious because you're like, these people aren't. A lot of people reading this aren't on social media, and you wouldn't, you don't. Yeah. You, there's no way of knowing that because they're not on social media. They're not there. They're not there yeah. to say that I'm not here, right? So it's easy to go, oh look, you know, everyone and their mom on Instagram has done a post on how to do push-ups correctly, or you know, speaks about uh, intra-abdominal pressure or core bracing or blah 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 blah. Um, but no, actually, these people, a lot of times, are they're picking up the magazine off the shelf, they don't have any other reference point. So we need to make sure we're providing that. And as you say, like it comes down to what's going to be the best cues that are going to cover the most people here. What's the least, what's the most jargon-free way of doing that? And at the other end, I think on social media, a lot, you've got people who are literally just impressing their peers 
Like, yeah. how is this information good to your prospective clients or for me, like everybody in the world or 75% of people in the world? And you may be getting the feedback of people telling you how great it is and rah, rah, rah. But those people know already. These, you know, these people are trainers. I hope they know. They should know this. The people who are saying to you, yeah, you're so right. Um, and I think it's our job to, by and large, kind of deliver the same thing, but also be very aware that we we need to deliver it on a level that catches a lot more people, right? Yeah, exactly. I think it, I think just just talk just thinking about social media, it's yeah. It, there's a lot kind of going on there. I think I think it's interesting. First of all, I think most people are on social media, um, or our readers are probably on social media, but they're not on fitness social yeah, media, which yeah. is its own, which is its own, its own beast. And, and you can read the comments. Yeah. You read the, you know, I read the comments on, you know, something you might post or something we might post in men's health or, and yeah, a lot of times that's just trainers because mm-hmm. trainers are our fitness social media. And yeah, it's really easy to, to kind of get that mixed up and to lose a little bit of focus. Yeah. Um, and so I think, yeah, it's, it's kind of critical to, again, kind of come back to, you know, what's the goal and kind of, you know, understand like what we're trying to, you know, um, the message we're trying to convey, but then also understand kind of the lessons that we can learn. Because I think um, I'm a very big believer, like men's health to me is all about, one is kind of like, let's be a light for fitness overall. Yeah. Um, and in order to do that, the one thing I, I am a big believer in is what can I learn? Social media pre- presents us with a lot of data and, and a lot of posts that pop that I may think are incredibly dumb in terms of like, oh, this is the best way to do a push-up. But yeah. hold on. Like, I don't think that's the best way to do a push-up. I think, you know, I, like to me, like the best way to learn a push-up is, you know, you throw a bunch of books on the ground. I actually have a lady doing this right now. You throw a bunch of books on the ground. Um, and you lower, you know, you, you lower it to one book and then you yeah. come back up. Right. And then you mm-hmm. remove a book and you keep doing that until, and that's my ideal way to do a push up. Yeah. But however, however, that po- that TikTok post, they got 10 million likes conveyed it something about that. Work. Yes. So I think, yeah. I think our job, and I think this is true of also, you know, most of the true innovations in fitness are occurring in performance training, like with Olympic athletes or, mm. you know, with, with pro, like that's where the, the really, really cool nerd stuff that you and I really love is happening. And I think our job, but, but that's not always going to resonate with our readers. So our job is to pull like the little general population nuggets of new or the, the or take the the lessons the good lessons we can learn about about well there's something about the way that person interacted with people in you know a tiktok push-up post there's something i can learn from that to yeah. either convey to the audience or make my content better exactly that and i don't think that's the line of reasoning that people take often enough they go straight to guns yeah. on the the default stance seems to be um, let's just do a, a you know, let's just do a criticism video. Whereas it's like, well, look, something about what this person is doing is getting people signed up. And do you want, do you want to, do you want to get people signed up? And I don't even mean that from a, I don't mean that like to your program. I don't mean that like, do you want to sell them something? I mean, do you want people doing this thing? If you ask f- people in, in fitness, why they do it, you'd be very hard pushed to find people whose d- 
default answer isn't, I just want to help people. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not criticizing. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that they don't mean that, but I mean, okay, cool. If you want to help people, then meet them where they are and look at what, you know, what version of this are they buying into? Because they're, if they're not buying into your version of it, you can either keep banging your head against a brick wall or you can have a look and go, well, what are these other people doing that seems to be getting traction? Can I do that and then deliver a version of it I believe in? Um, you know, deliver yeah. a version of it that I think is, um, and there's, there's an element of kind of hubris and, and egocentricity there to even think, no, you have to do it my way anyway. But yeah. if you, if you want to get your message across, I always, I'm a big believer that the, the message should always be more important than the messenger. Um, yes. And, you know, unsurprisingly, an industry that centers historically and majorly around how people look has got a lot of narcissists in it. You know, there's, no, <laughs> there's, a, there's a decent sized Venn diagram there, isn't there? But yeah, you know, for me, it's like, how do I make this palatable, as you say, inspirational, but also available? And uh, yeah, like, as you said earlier, yeah, the, the most optimal way to do this thing is always going to be working with people one to one. Of course, it's going to be the most optimal way, but that creates so many barriers in and of itself, financially, you know, logistically. It's difficult. It's difficult for people. It is really difficult for people. And I think what we provide, um, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, you know, make us sound like the virtuous sort of white knights here, but I think what we provide as a resource is something that someone can go and pick off of a shelf when they're filling up their car with petrol or gas and pay you know five bucks for it and have some good information and for me it's like wouldn't you wouldn't i rather have my information there where where it's accessible to everybody regardless whether that means i can't then go and be a sort of you know celebrity online trainer i'm you know six figure Hmm. earner if you want to help people and you want to help the most people possible. It's a pretty good way to do it, right? Yeah, exactly. I think, and, and it's also, it's also for so many reasons that I feel like we've really delineated. It's also a very challenging way. To, mm. I, I, every, every issue we put out in mental health, I try to think of that. I try to think of the totality of the fitness in there as everything a guy needs to do this month. Like if he, yeah. if he hits all these bases. Yeah. He's, he's got his full workout and, and he's going in the right direction. And that, that, that's a, that, that's a, there's a lot going on there mm-hmm. in terms of making it interesting, making it feel new, even though sometimes it's, it's not new because we have to go back to those basics. And I think that, that, that riddle um, is, a, is actually a, a challenging riddle for any trainer yeah. because, um, because it, it's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of nuanced under the hood programming. I try to think of, I try to like, we're also trying to protect guys from themselves because I think the one thing that happens when you do, when you put stuff in print in a magazine, you, you only have two modes you can really get across to people. You've got the pictures and you've got the words versus, you know, if we do, if we do video, you get, you know, you've got, you've got moving images, you've got a lot of dialogue, you know, you can zoom in on things. There's so much detail for in person. So you've, but you've only got these two tools in the magazine. So I, I do feel like, like, there is a responsibility a little bit to be a little bit more conservative than I might want to be in person because I can't protect you. It's the best way I can protect you from you. So I've got to be conservative and and we've got to be conservative, inspirational, 
and at the same time, just smart all at once. That's a tough challenge. And we've got to do it all over like 10 pages. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so there's some, there's some huge pictures taking up room as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I completely, uh, completely agree. And you do, yeah, you do want to deliver the, and I love it. Like I really love it. And I think you, it takes, yeah. it, it takes, you have to be, um, I'm trying to say this without being self-congratulatory, but you, it, I think you have to be wired in a certain way to enjoy the constraints because like you say, anyone can, say it with the character limit of Instagram or get into the nuances of it or on a video, go back and forward, but to try and safely explain to, and I think you like, you know, we actually care as well. We actually care. We're not just going to, you know, ride it and throw it away and be like, who cares to safely explain how to do a kettlebell swing with two pictures and 30 characters. I feel a, like a huge, personal responsibility and pressure every time I do something like that to be like, as you say, I want to get it right. But do I say, uh, to go back to your press up example, do I say, screw your feet into the floor here? Is that worth me saying that versus some other cues that I think like what's going to be more important And you can really like get neurotic. Um, yeah. kind of like, uh, do, am I really going to talk about the abdominal pressure at the top of the rep? Do, should I talk about breathing? I think it's really important. Uh, and when you, you kind of have that word poverty of you literally just don't have the right words, you've got like explosive and dynamic <laughs> and that, that, you know, they're going to mean yeah. different things to different people and you've only got 30 words to do it with. It's a lot of pressure almost, isn't it? If you care, if you really care and you want to get it right, but you yeah. also want to you want to have people doing something that's a little bit different and a little bit fun and you know they're going to enjoy doing but you've only got so many characters to to get it in that's the challenge isn't it and that's the, I treat it like a game but it's it's challenging right yeah oh it's it's hugely challenging and it's also it's also probably what i think um i think the just just brands and you know whether that whether that be men's health or muscle and fitness that's what that's what they get criticized for the most yeah. oh you didn't you know you didn't um yes. describe that enough right yeah. your 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 four minute deadlift video didn't go enough in depth of you know or the model moved the wrong way and yeah. all that you know again all that criticism just kind of i i think I try to learn from any, yeah. any time that we get criticized because I think there are lessons in that too. And because there's a, there's a very, very high burden, you know, like, like we've, we've got to get it right. So I'm fine to try to get better. But every so often I'm like, you're really going to like, like, is that really what you're going to nitpick on? You yeah. Know? Um, because we only have three minutes, you know, so yeah. like I can, I can micro machine talk it, I guess. Um, and, and like light speed talking and nobody will understand and get everything yeah. in or, you know, you, uh, you pick your spots, but we, I mean, it's, 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 it's so tricky. I think, yeah. I think it's just challenging. Yeah. 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 And, and it's understanding the audience as well. Right. If you go too deep, you people are going to switch off. And like, I just like you, I find it so hilarious sometimes when I'm like, really, that's the thing you're going to nitpick. Like, like come on like we can do this forever and that but it seems to be the default approach um in it's almost become like the 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 model the brand model for fitness industry which i really that you know it saddens me uh as a as a fairly kind of uh 
skeptical but optimistic person to see that yeah i don't know i have this personal opinion that i think the fitness industry is going to experience a lot of burnout and turnover of trainers simply because they come into the industry not only have they now got that added pressure of i need to do all this social media stuff which i didn't have to do when i started out right you know i just rocked up to the gym in the morning and clocked in um not only that but they have to you know I think a lot of trainers are going to be coming in thinking that part of their job or part of their place in this industry is spending the hours on Instagram looking for stuff to debunk. And that's not a healthy, you know, I personally don't believe that's a healthy place to be in your mind, you know, constantly looking for something wrong because that's going to have a knock on effect to the rest of your life. And also how much do people care or how much, how much can you, show people in as you say 30 characters or three minutes like and a lot of times now i just say to people like oh cool like you think as you say take the feedback seek that disconfirming information but i'll almost sometimes now just tongue-in-cheek be like oh you can do that in your video you know you have that option by the way you have the option to do what you think i didn't do you can go away and do it like yeah totally totally cool and totally fine and you can go so far down that rabbit hole and what kind of some an observation i've had recently that makes me laugh is you've got these people that built an entire platform kind of ragging on men's health or ragging on muscle and fitness or ragging on what other people are doing and every now and again you see them kind of branch into an area they're not so confident in and Mm. i'll see you know people who've built an entire platform on criticizing people, suddenly they're answering questions that are so far out of their scope of practice and they don't realize they're now doing the exact same thing. They're now putting out very easily debunkable information. And it, it, it's just a weird thing to me to be negative by default, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think, I think too, when, when, when you're putting out anything, when you're putting out anything in like, in like a three minute video, there's going to be a there's going to be only a limited amount of nuance to it, so it's very yeah. it's very easy to to debunk on some level because yeah. because you because you left something out, so somebody can yeah. uh, can kind of nitpick at it if they really want to. So I think you know it, it's just um I, I also think too that a lot of times um and I almost don't want to take the conversation down this road because I think it's just like, it's like a rabbit hole from which we may never emerge. Um, but the people who are doing that are doing it um, less for, less for the audience and more for, um, for clout, which, yeah. and the problem with that, I think is, again, I believe all like what we do needs to start with what's the goal. Yeah. Right. And so if you're playing the clout game, yeah then um then well your goal was that so you're going to accomplish that right but if we're if if we're playing the how do we um how do we help viewers how do we help consumers of fitness to consume better fitness and get in better shape and all those things then there's there's a very there's a very limited amount like there's a very limited reason or purpose for um for that criticism there's a trainer out there I'm not going to name him um, who does some really kind of unique stuff um, that, that seems kind of out there. And I don't always love it. And the reason I don't always love it is mostly because he, he kind of does what we were talking about before. Um, and he's like, 
this way is kind of the best way, you know, yeah. it's proven by science and all this. I'm like, first of all, it's not proven by science, but I'm also I, like my, my other reaction is just, you know, do I really need to wade into that discussion? No, I can yeah. just, yeah, I, I can sit that one out because it accomplishes nothing for me to just go back and forth with them. It, like maybe if I'm at a bar with them, sure. You know, we'll yeah, talk about yeah, yeah. that, but yeah. Yeah, no, no, exactly. I couldn't agree more. Like, is this where I'm going to spend my time? This isn't the, you know, this isn't the fight I want to like the, I think on order of magnitude as well, it's really easy to get caught up with um, social media and look at people's social media reach or whatever, you know, whatever metrics people measure by um, and kind of look and go, you know, this person's saying this and it's going out to 90,000 people, 300,000 people, whatever it is. But you could, like you say, you could get lost in there. You could get lost in doing that. How many hours in a day do you have to do that? Whereas I think we are in a unique position where we can focus on, you know, doing, delivering something that we believe in to a large, large, you know, portion of people. And I, I think you would actually lose that if you spent your day, like you say, going backwards and forwards, uh, arguing with someone about the exact angle of knee flexion that's optimal. And really what have we accomplished other than probably switching a lot of people off, right? Yeah, exactly. But I think, I think what's interesting is kind of what we get to do because like you, you kind of choose your battles, right? And I think what, what I've definitely thought a lot about lately in terms of how we approach that as kind of large publications is not choosing battles for now, but thinking, you know, very far down the line about how we can, of impact fitness and impact the fitness conversation yep. in like five years versus yeah, yeah. now because because you know there's some kids so again what 20 years ago i was the kid picking up men's health magazine um getting frustrated because i couldn't gain three inches in 30 days on my arms but also you know learning a lot about you know the body types i saw in there you know the the exercise i saw in there all of that became the backbone you know of of how i initially viewed fitness and we're doing that for some their kid right now um and so i think i think about that a lot and i think how can you know instead of kind of wading into these kind of more short-sighted discussions about you know knee flexion in this instant um you know how can we like more broadly and kind of almost like subliminally at times like mm -hmm. impact um impact you know that that young kid because that that, that to me is like the most important reader for a bunch of reasons among them because, you know, today's young kids, it's so much easier to spend 10, 10 hours on your phone than to ever spend, you know, 10 minutes doing, you know, um, a run. But we're also impacting like how they perceive what, what is fit, right? Yeah. So I, I think I, I ask myself that a lot. I know we've, we've actually shifted how we do things at Men's Health just in terms of the models we use because... Mm -hmm. You know, there used to be this this definition of a guy with you know the six pack and you know perfect, perfect glutes and giant biceps, and that was the guy, right? And that was fitness. And I think both you and me kind of know and understand that. I feel like we maybe even exchanged this in over DM. I think if if a guy can do the exercise properly, um, with with I mean with perfect form for the for the sake of the photos I need in the magazine, um, 
he's probably, you know, the, the right guy for the workout. He's probably fit. Yeah. So I think I'm, I'm trying to think ahead. And I think we at mental, at mental, you know, are trying to think ahead to, um, those almost more advanced discussions. It's like, you know, there's only so much you, we can do to like slow down the trainer, but let me like help prepare the trainer. Who's going to be a trainer in 10 years yeah. too, with the new message. That that's precisely how I I think about it. The the big long view of it. The there's people that uh, you know hopefully reading the mag now that are going to go on to be in the position we're in, and we have the chance to share what we think this thing should look like, so that we are impacting what they you know how they then implement it. And it does come right down to the the models we're using the movements we're sharing like normalizing or you know just just having a constant turnover of movements that we think are more representative of of fitness than perhaps what was you know what was there when we grew up in that but balance balancing that with the cool stuff because there are there there are people that just want to do cool stuff and because i thought it looked cool is as good a reason as any to do anything like that's how i make most decisions in life right um but balancing that with what we think, or, you know, for me personally, what I hope this thing of fitness looks like when I leave it, when I yeah. clock off, uh, have we made it an impact? And you, you raised some really interesting points there of like, what does fitness look like on the page? And that's something that historically fitness media gets criticized for. And now, a lot of times when I have conversations with people or people want to you know, make those criticisms, I realized that the criticisms they're making are actually historical. They're not talking about what we're doing now. They're talking about yeah. the magazines they read growing up, which I find really funny. And I, you know, I had a guy the other day saying, Oh, you know, it's because uh, the media show bodies like this and bodies like that. And you don't see this. And I sat, I took it, took it in because it's a fairly common sort of thing you'll hear. And when I, I sat a bit for a minute and I thought back, you know, I'm privileged enough that I get to direct the shoots every single month of a lot of the fitness content, yeah. in there, as, as I know you do. And I looked back at like the last six months and I was trying to, I was like, the, the guys we've had are not, they're not the guys, they're not Arnold Schwarzenegger. These are just, you know, obviously they're professional fitness models, but in terms of body, everyone's achievable everyone is doing a style of training that's sort of homogenous with what the content is going in the magazine for a large, for a large part. In fact, sometimes the content that's going in the magazine is maybe even a little bit, they're kind of like, whoa, that would smoke me if I did that workout. Like these are, these guys yeah. are actually a lot more representative of, and they, to a large degree, and I'm not sure if this is a conversation you want to get into because it's, it's a bit, <laughs> it's a bit radioactive, but to a large degree, I do think, just going, you know, circling back to what we were talking about, that it has to be inspirational and stuff like that. There's a conversation that's to be had there in terms of the models we use and the image we portray. Um, and I do think there is often a fine line to tread. Uh, yes. Between, you know, you, you, as you say, you know, you want someone who, this is such a, I'm tempted not to say this, but yeah. you want someone who, how can I phrase this? Looks like how looks like what people would expect someone who works out to look like in their head, if that makes yeah. sense. I don't want to say because anyone can work out. What does someone who works out look yeah. like? It could be anything, but people's preconceived notion of what 
you know, a fitness model yeah. should look like. I think you do need that to some degree to engage people. As you say, it needs to be. And I understand for some people that's actually problematic. Like I get that. I'm not like hard line. Like, no, you just, you just need to work for it. You should just be inspired. Yeah. Uh, but we have to balance that right with understanding that. I think we did have this conversation previously. We have to balance that with yeah. actually some people want to open it up and go, Hey, that's a guy that, and I'm, they're doing this healthily in terms of their mindset, in terms of their mental health. They're looking at it and going, Hey, that's a guy like I aspire to look like. Yeah. It's a tough balance. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, yeah, it's it's definitely one of the harder because yeah. And most guys are coming to, I feel like most guys, for most guys, it it still does boil down to like most guys aren't trying to be the Instagram guy who, you know, like vertical leaps over um, a car. I mean, it would be cool, you know, I can't do that. But most guys do come for kind of, there's a basic kind of aesthetic goal yeah, that yeah. I think draws them in. And I mean, it's it's the medium too. We're all, we're, we're pictures. That's mm-hmm. kind of, um, yeah. I think that one of the, one of the, the interesting things for me, and, and I think this is, and it's hard, right? It, the, the first time I was in a, uh, an NFL locker, um, I think I expected every single guy to be, um, like and it's like six pack and and biceps mm-hmm. and you know because I thought it I thought it, I don't know if you're familiar with the the American video game Madden um, NFL but um I figured I figured all the guys would look would look like that and and they didn't you know and so at first there was kind of um there was a it was a little bit of, of dissonance for me that I had to get past that yeah. hey I what oh wow I, I actually look better than that guy but you know what he can run a, a four four forty yard dash yeah um, so. I can't do that. So it definitely gave me a different um, outlook on kind of, I I think, I do think things are changing in terms of, in terms of the visual. And I look, I actually look at the one thing that's been on my mind is I wanted, what was it last? Was it, I'm the the years have blurred together because of COVID, but the most recent um, Olympics, the hundred meter dash, um, the guy who won it, I believe, was a guy from Spain who I swear nobody had heard of, or Italy. I don't know if you remember that. But the body types that ran in that, that ran in that race, you know, like uh, I think the guy who uh, Andre de Grasse is this this Canadian runner. He came in either he, I think he won in the two hundred. He came in. Sorry, I'm a track nerd, so you got me going now. But um, he won the two hundred. I think he came in like second or third in the hundred. But he is. You know, when, when you, th- when I think of sprinters, I think of like Usain Bolt, yeah. you know, Maurice Green, Carlos, these guys who, you know, are kind of ripped, right? Like shredded, um, you know, you can see their shoulders, you can see their quads popping. Andre Dugras looks like, you know, he, I mean, I think he turned, he's 28, 29, 30 years old in real life, but he looks like, um, he looks like your kid brother from, from junior high school. And I I think it's because, and again, I think everything trickles down from the highest, like yeah. performance training eventually trickles down to the average person. And I, when, I think when over the next like five to 10 years, as we see more athletes looking, you know, and, and again, some of these guys are ripped. You look at, uh, I don't know if you, if you paid attention to the NBA, but Giannis Antetokounmpo, I mean, he, he, you know, he, he bulked up. He's probably the best player in the NBA and he, he looks the part. But at the same time, you know, um, Nikola Jokic from uh, the Denver Nuggets, who's an MVP candidate every year, looks like, you know, my dad. So I think as 
athletes as the athlete body types change because people respond to that yeah, and yeah. see a certain level of performance. Yeah, I think yeah. the there's going to be more acceptance of 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 male body types. I also think we're far behind the um the female conversation of body positivity and balance is ahead of us. Yeah. Um and we're still trying to figure it out because there are different stigmas the guys face. 100%. Yeah. Uh, and it's very there's there's similar parallels over here. I don't know if you know the the boxer Tyson Fury. He's like current heavyweight. <clears throat> yeah, so he's um I think he's like unified now as well. So he's like multiple titles, heavyweight champion boxer of the world. Um, <laughs> um, what does he look like? I'm sure people are listening and laughing. If you never just, just <laughs> Google Tyson Fury when you get off and he's, uh, yeah, yeah, he's probably like, probably pushing like 20% body fat, no measurable there's no aesthetically, you know, you know what I'm saying, right? And I think it's really yeah. changing the conversation because this guy goes 12 rounds, you know, this guy is, yeah. is in insane shape. Um, and I think it really, yeah, we've, I think we've always had a false, this weird paradoxical false um, impression or dissonance that, okay, this is what athletes look like. So this is peak. And there, there is, there's certainly some characteristics that by and large, you know, you start working out in a certain way, you start looking at certain performance measures and body types do kind of start to um, unify, you know, there's a, there's a uniform look, right? Uh, but it's not, it's not as general as people think. And I think it's hilarious that in a way people are training to look as though they can do a thing when now the people who are actually doing the thing don't necessarily even look like that. Right. And that's cool. Like I'm, I'm happy for everyone to train how you want to train and be inspired. I'm not here to tell anyone what should inspire you. But as we say in those long-term conversations, I think the shift is happening. And I think the reason to agree with your point, I do think women are further along in that conversation. And I've, I've put a ton of thought into this and a couple of things I think go into it are in terms of physical culture, um, I think the female industry is newer to the game and that's, you know, for a, a host of, um, a host of like, tr you know, social historical social reasons that, you know, shouldn't have been there, but they were there. But at the same time, it kind of allowed the rise of the female, uh, fitness industry, the rise and rise of that to occur in a much more modern time with a much, a different yeah. style of media which we didn't have, uh, you know, men didn't have. So what, what did we have? We had Arnold, right? You had Arnold yeah. because he was in films and he, everyone just knew him. I think that's been good for us because it has maybe helped men have lo longer to calibrate our bullshit detectors. Um, mm. You know, I'm not saying everything Arnold did was right, but like we have this kind of <laughs> idea of like guys, it may be intuitive, you know, like, no, you've got to lift weights. Yeah. Dude, you got to lift weights because Arnold lifted weights. Whereas um, for the female fitness industry, where it, it's it's more fledgling, or you know, it's come up later in time, as I say, for terrible historical social reasons, it's mm -hmm. enabled there it to happen when there's tools there in the media to share, as you say, that not everybody looks the same. There's no archetypical this is what you must strive for. This is the end goal. Arnold Schwarzenegger is the, 
the end goal. And I think it's, it's great. That's so great. And I hope that the Mao, I'm not, I think there are changes happening. I'm not sure that they need to align really. I'm not sure that, yeah. you know, men and women are different and perhaps the way the things we aspire to and the things that inspire us will never change or they'll never homogenize them. You know, perhaps they mm. can be different for men and women. That's, you know, fine. We'll see where the dust settles, right? Yeah. I, I, yeah. And you're right. I think, I think they're just different. I think they're very different conversations. Mm-hmm. I just think there's a lot we, I think, um, I think we can, because I think we can learn some things from the way women have had conversations, but we've got to find, we've got to find our own way because like you said, the, the history is, is very, very different. The, the, inspir- the places that men have drawn inspiration um, in terms of aesthetics is, is, is different and also there's no, I, I'm a very big it's weird because I feel like a couple of years ago the fitness industry went all functional and aesthetic became bad yeah right? um which was you know which became a yeah and, and so I think now I think there's always going to be that pendulum to some extent between um is functional better and is aesthetic better I think the the moments where we sit in kind of in the middle because I do believe kind of like you alluded to a little bit that there are certain aesthetic like big glutes are probably like chicks dig big glutes right but at the same time they are also um and you know that, that was kind of a joke over there you might have to edit that out but um you know <laughs> big, big glutes are kind of big glutes are also like a hallmark of a of of a powerful like yeah. powerful physique that's probably never gonna have back pain ever yeah so yeah there i do think there are things that cross over but it's you know, I, I just think, um, you know, I, I'm just, I'm interested to see where the conversation goes over the next, over the next year, couple of years, because big glutes sit at the center of aesthetic and function. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I wonder, yeah, I wonder how we balance that. And I, I think I, that's, yeah. I know that every generation probably thinks this and perhaps I'm not thinking long-term enough here, but I do, <laughs> it does feel to me as though we are, if not sitting there already getting towards the pendulum being sat somewhere in the middle at the moment, which I really mm-hmm. like, especially in terms of, as you were saying, you know, the, the difference between functionality and aesthetics. And I think it always has to go too far for the majority of people to go, I don't want to be fucking doing this, you know? Yeah. I want to, I don't mind doing that. And you, you kind of, you, you had the rise and rise and rise of CrossFit, which, um, I would describe myself probably historically as CrossFit adjacent, maybe like, I don't know, but like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that you cannot discount what that's done. I think for the fitness industry as a whole, in mm. terms of democratizing information and this, that, the other, and then you kind of watch the pendulum swing down back a little bit where people were going, oh, you know, maybe I'm not getting the aesthetic results I wanted from, from CrossFit. And I, I think it's fine if people get into fitness and they, in their head they want to look a certain way you can train in a way that's geared towards that and we we've been through this phase haven't we and so i think certain areas are still in it of like a sex or a byproduct of your training not for everybody or not for everybody all the time in a if your goal is to get bigger arms and you're not genetically predispositioned towards it then pull-ups maybe aren't the panacea that some people are making it out to be right. And it's cool for you to say, I want bigger arms, just say it and just go do the curls, man. Like that's fine. Um, and I feel like we, people tried to slot it back in, in sort of surreptitious. They didn't want to say 
are no longer in the functional camps that are like, well, this is functional bodybuilding. This is, uh, which is great. I'm, <laughs> I'm all for it. Yeah. But trying to find these like cool, still in the in-group, cool ways of of getting in some tricep extensions and and horizontal pressing and and I feel like we're getting back into the middle now, where you you know certainly in the the, the sphere I'm in, where you'll see people being like, no, I'm just going to have a bodybuilding day today and then i'll yeah. do some conditioning tomorrow but it'll be like low eccentric and i'm not going to use weights to do it ah right yeah that sounds good to me because you're not going to compete <laughs> in crossfit so you don't necessarily need all the accoutrements everything else that comes along with it if your goal is to get bigger arms bigger legs whatever it may be but like you say that there's certain things that do fit perfectly right in the center of the Venn diagram, right at the, where the pendulum sits, right at the bottom, having big glutes, um, huge sign of athleticism, but also keeping you injury free, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if people are chasing big glutes because they want big glutes and the knock-on effect is health, longevity, you know, athleticism, then that's cool, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's, it's one thing I've, I've always kind of, I've had this thing in my head because I always wanted a really big chest and that was one, and most of us from superheroes, right? Yeah. Um, but um, but one thing, and and I think every guy's wanted big biceps, right? But I've been kind of, I've definitely been, it's it's kind of a background thought I've had in my head for a while. It's like what, because I do think like like there's so much. I do think there's crossover between the the things that all guys tend to universally want, like a six pack. Yes, like six pack abs are a little bit. Um, you know, it's a, it's like we, we've kind of like there's a bet like functional core is a lot better than having yeah. six pack abs, right? But and, and but th- there is like a, like nine times out of ten, if you have six pack abs, it's probably because you're in a very good position with your body fat, yeah. you know. Um, and also you probably have a functional core if you're if you're training kind. Of, so I think there's crossover, right? Yeah. Um, and so, but the the thing I haven't found this is definitely not like sorry you got me on this little tangent here but i'll stop after this um but you know the thing I, i'm trying to figure like so i i think there's a functional purpose behind these things that we aesthetically love you know like like it, it pushed things away to some extent because that's going to be like a, a powerhouse for that yeah so biceps i've been trying to figure out because lots of guys want big biceps and i'm not quite sure what the functional motivation is for it but i'm sure there is something in like our in our history that leads us to want that i'm not sure what it is but i have had a long conversation about this with someone the other day interestingly enough about elbow flexion mm-hmm. with the with the arms below the shoulder Although i don't want to get too uh, into the weeds of it because of, i don't want anyone <laughs> to tune out but the functionality of flexing yeah. the elbows with your arms below your shoulders i.e., your arms are down your elbows are flexed in terms of carrying it's a, mm. it's a fairly um it's a position you find yourself in a lot, right? Creating that internal talk or you should, you know, you historically, we would have found ourselves in a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I, I don't know if there's anything in that or it is just literally, you know, Conan the Barbarian came out and <laughs> people <laughs> saw big biceps, but yeah, please continue. Sorry. No, that, 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 that was, um, that was it. Although, but it does come, it, it, it always comes. I, I think the, the trick for fitness as a whole, and I think we're starting to see it shift in the way we converse, right? Um, and you may even see it a little bit in this discussion and in, in kind of how we've, you know, gone from, you know, talking about, you know, I mean, you know, how we've gone from how, like, I think the trick for fitness as a whole is just, it is, 
everything you, everything in the marketing of it, the way companies sell it, et cetera, is all visual. Yeah. Right? So so you get caught up in the aesthetic. But I think I and and I think just as kind of a, a training community, as publications, as media, if we if we can the, the big step we have to take, and I would contend that they it's really important for you and I to take the lead on this as you know what we are to um men's health right is um is how we converse about it because it should be about you know again what's the goal the goal is going to be different for every um for everybody but on a very kind of nuanced level we can help lead them to to the most productive goals right like and I think that's that's where the again that's that crossover of, of aesthetic and functional so i think when we try to talk about fitness and mental health and i think when i try to talk about fitness in general like i want six-pack abs right um i also want my abs to 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 help me brace and yeah. to um help me twist and to help me battle against rotation at all costs and to to protect my spine and not let my back arch and so i feel like when we write about it and when we talk about it it's it's really really useful at this point to um to the, the aesthetics are going to sell themselves yeah. that's what the image did my, my videos are always going to have some quality of aesthetic but if i can talk to you about the if i can converse with with the user um in print or in verbal um about the function that we're also hitting then eventually over time we'll be able to kind of turn the tide a little bit um hmm. kind of very quietly but i think that's like a really really underrated key it's like what's the benefit 100 percent. that's exactly how i think of it what's the subtle changes we can make here and i you know i um no i'm just going to say it like something i i rarely if ever and as a rule i try not to reference at all when i'm talking in copy when i'm talking mm-hmm. about any particular exercise it's uh you know, fat loss benefits. All right. You know, I, I try never to, because I understand how really, you know, not irrelevant because that's, I think people go too far in saying that exercise is irrelevant for fat loss. I think that's, that's stupid and their own sort of logic debunks them often. But if the guy in the picture has a six pack and we, so say last month, for instance, we ran, uh, I'd written a piece on Zercher carries, barbell Zercher carries. The guy in the picture doing the movement has six back abs. I don't need to mention it. I do not need to mention, yeah. I don't even need to use, mm, I don't really even need to use about abs. What I can talk about then is anti-flexion, you know, or in a, in a way that's deliverable. I can talk about not getting folded up like a pretzel. I can talk about the you know postural muscles of the upper back i don't need to mention six back abs because the guy as you say the guy in the picture's got it like people get that if so we can talk about the benefits of it and then you do that i think you're right you do that on a long enough timeline and then that's what people then gravitate towards they gravitate towards like what's the benefit for me for this from like an anti-rotational Maybe that's too specific. Maybe no, no one's like, I don't think any like gem <laughs> pop person, but you know what I mean? Like nobody is them. I think we're out of the weeds of by and large of people doing crunches to get a six pack. So now yeah. let's look at what can you be doing that's better. And if we stick a guy in the picture with abs, then subliminally they're like, oh yeah, you know, this is my, this is what I'm doing for abs now. And the, the benefits yeah. are now far greater. I don't talk about, I very rarely talk about fat loss in the context of training. 
I don't, I don't, yeah, that's not a, I don't have a hard line on that. I'm not one of these people that says like, your training is irrelevant for fat loss. Cause I don't think it is. I do think that you can't argue for the, the basics of thermodynamics and energy expenditure. And then not, then not also factor in that, well, actually, if you train a little bit longer, a little bit harder, you've got greater energy expenditure. <laughs> um, you know, that's their own logic. But that being said, yeah, that, you know, the, I'm so glad that by and large we're out of the days of, and I know we're not, I still know a lot of people still kind of this sort of propagates, but this move burns fat here, this move burns fat mm. there. I'm so glad we're out of the weeds of, uh, you know, banging on spot reduction, like it's a, like it's the thing, but I don't think you can discount exercise role in fat loss completely. Right. Yeah. No, and, and and I think that's the the trick is um because I I think to I think sometimes some sometimes the hard part is and this is just for trainers in general is you you go back to that question of what's the goal and sometimes I think and this is that tricky line too of of of, uh, of sometimes people don't want the the fully nuanced answer yeah. so um it's finding that it's about finding that balance but I think um I think you know the conversation. The conversation. One of the things I do when I when I when I work with anybody, kind of in person or virtual or whatever, I try to start with. Um, and it sounds it sounds really superficial, but it's not meant as superficial. It just kind of gives me an indication for kind of like um, what somebody wants. Because sometimes I think you know they, they tell me they want to um, lose body fat, and then they send me a picture of of Arnold, and they're like yeah. you know one ninety. And I'm like, hey, you, you don't want to lose body fat. You really want to gain like like 30 specific pounds. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, and so and so, I, but I asked them to send kind of like a picture, right? Because I mm -hmm. think the the riddle is um, the riddle is kind of that balance of you know, um, being able to kind of give somebody what they. Want. I, I think that this is also true of 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 kind of the hit training phenomenon too, right? Because um, hit training itself. It, like most most group fitness, most people go into group fitness. There was a really good post. It might have been from you, I think. I can't remember. Um, there's a really good post somebody made about, um, you know, it's like you got to kind of, on some level, you got to give people a little bit of what they want in a workout. Because if you don't give them anything, they, if you don't give them anything they kind of expect to go in, they're going to kind of feel either cheated or really bad about themselves. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that that's true. You know, the whole hit phenomenon um, is, is kind of like most people aren't doing high intensity interval training, period, because they're not kind of at that yeah. point where they can, they, can, they can approach that proper intensity. Um, but at the same time, hit has become kind of um, like shorthand for 40 minute interval workout that just covers everything. So yeah. you get, you know, and I remember I gave a presentation. Um, the NCA probably I think like two years ago and basically it was I think we need to meet people kind of where they are yeah um in terms of what they expect from workout and and again this is that magic of being a trainer and that magic that we get to do with the magazine where meet them where they are and then kind of um thread in what they need yeah. right so it's what it's it's the 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 beauty of any trainer and the beauty of men's health I believe is we sit at that nexus of we know what you or you know we kind of have an idea of what you want and we can help you get what you want um, and give you the feeling you want but we're going to give you exactly what you need in terms of movement patterns um, you know 
um, changing velocities, changing angle, you know, bulletproofing your body. We're going to give you kind of all that. And I think the fat loss discussion sits at that because um, fat loss, weight loss, those are, those are terms that, that people are looking up on the internet, yeah. right? So how do we kind of, um, and this is the riddle, I don't really have the answer to this, but how do we kind of, um, how do we kind of like take those terms um, and, and use it as a gateway to, yeah. to do all the stuff we said at the beginning? Because in a weird way, like, yeah, I, I try not to use those terms as well, um, or not use those as like a defined benefit per se, because yeah. um, I want people focused on other benefits, but um, you know, it's just it's a really tricky balance and we i think we uh, and i think this is something that a lot of people don't realize and it's a it's a by virtue of the position we're in and the, the sort of organizations we work for we have are privy to a lot of data and information around what people are searching for what people are reacting to yeah. and i don't think people realize that side of it like when people say why you know why have you said that blah blah, blah. no everybody knows that and you're like no they don't I see what people are Googling. I see what people are searching yeah. for. People are, they're ask, they don't know how to ask the right question. And it's our job to give them, to answer the question is kind of weird, isn't it? Answer the question we think yeah. we know they're asking. And with, with the fat loss is the one, you know, people are going to, people are going to Google best exercise for tricep fat loss, best exercise for this, best exercise for that. We can't start the conversation every single time by debunking spot, spot reduction, right? We can't yeah. like, what's the point? People will just zone out we have to acknowledge it. But at the same time, when people are, people by and large need to understand that gem pop is ask, not asking the questions they think they're asking. They definitely want the same thing. As you say, they want to look like whatever they want to look like or move like whatever they want to look like. But the, the way they're asking the questions tells us that they're not where we are. Like we need to meet them there. We need to meet them at the questions they're asking and then be like, like, cool. You haven't necessarily asked the question the right way, but I do know what you're saying. And I do know what you want. Um, yeah. The way I try and game it with, with the fat loss thing is just to use, try and find terms that kind of sit well with me as a trainer, like sit well with me in mm. terms of my education. Uh, but I also know are almost synonymous for certain, you know, words like metabolic words, like metabolism words, like calorie burn. So no, I'm not saying this movement. I, I can't, I have no way of knowing what particular fuel substrate your body's going to be burning when you yes. do this movement. Right. But I will tell you that doing farmer's carries is probably a better idea than doing seated bicep curls. If your goal is to make a huge dent in your energy balance. But I can't say that. So I have to use words like metabolically taxing, huge calorie burn. Yeah. And it, there's people that will come after us for that. We shouldn't even be mentioning the calorie burn of it. And there's some, there is some, there's definitely some nuggets of, in, of logic and intelligence in that argument of like, don't even mention the calorie burn of exercise because some people will take it to the nth degree and they'll just pick the most, um, you know, insanely high energy demand yeah. movements but at the set, we also do need to say because we need to get people through the door we need so we do need to say things like you know spike your metabolism you know the, the things that we've yeah. got to sort of slip in there that we wouldn't converse we wouldn't use that i wouldn't tell a client in the gym like hey this workout's really going to spike your metabolism today right yeah but yeah 
over the court, you know, when you've got three paragraphs to get someone doing this workout, you know, their goal is to lose fat. And the other option is they go and do, um, you know, I don't know what their diet is like, so I've got no control. Yeah. Of that. So I'd, maybe I do need to make sure the workouts are a little bit more, especially in the mag, right? If you, if yeah. we, we're, if this is a phase where we're looking at the goal of this month's worth of programming is centered around fat loss. And I've only got a box out to explain uh, a calorie deficit. Then the rest yeah. of it, I need to kind of slip in enough to go that, okay, yeah, like there's enough here that's probably going to ensure that people get the message and they're, they're doing the stuff that is going to lead in that direction possibly. Yeah. That's why I like to think, I like to think a lot about um, like, the, I feel like my, my back end um, thing that I'm trying to accomplish just about every reader is, is building muscle because muscle is mm -hmm. that thing that like, like fat loss. I, I think fat loss is kind of uh, fat loss, weight loss, I think fat loss and weight loss are the two things that, that kind of bothered me the most about the fitness industry. And they exist because they're, they exist in the fitness industry as these, as these massive things because people make a lot of money off of them. Yeah. Right. Um, but I really, I mean, over like what I really hope to do and would like to do is kind of really shift the conversation towards let's just, let's just build muscle. I'd like to see the conversation go that way because that's the thing you're going to lose like as you age. Yeah. Um, and, and if I can get you to build muscle, I'm going to, you know, funny, all those, all those kind of phrases we just dropped about, you know, spike your metabolism, like uh, burn more calories. Like I'm going to kind of, um, you know, we don't have to get into the science here, but, but I'm going to, I'm setting you up for, for, for that, for yeah. that fat loss as well. So, I wish we could, I, I, I hope that we as an industry can kind of like move away from fat loss and weight loss. But at the same time, it's like, the, like me, even if media and social media get it right, um, you know, th there's this entire like just market that's, um, that's built kind of around getting it wrong. And if we cease to get it yeah. wrong, that market disappears. Um, yeah. And not, not for us, I'm saying for, for, for companies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that harkens back to what you said earlier about long thinking about how we're changing it in the in the long yeah. term. And that's you know, that's exactly what I, I try to do. And it's almost like, yeah, you I'm never gonna put something in specifically just because I know like it's a high energy demand exercise. Because it's irrelevant anyway yeah. if someone's not gonna do it. But hey, let's look at the things that do both. That This is great for building muscle, but it's also high energy demand because I understand the question. I understand the goal you've got. And yeah. we, unfortunately, we cannot caveat every single thing we write with, hey, by adding muscle, you're going to XX, <laughs> XX, you know, you're going to increase yeah. it. You know, you sort out your insulin sensitivity and you're going to do this and you can do that. You're going to regulate, regulate your hormones. We can't do it. So we do have to slot in we got to make it work. And I do think we're going in the right, I do think it's going in the right direction. Like I feel, I feel very positive about, you know, the, the, the stuff I see and it, it right down to even this is off and I'm, I'm conscious of time. So we'll, we'll, we'll close this up, but even off to the, the other stuff, the stuff that perhaps isn't necessarily, <laughs> stuff that isn't necessarily, um, 
the stuff we maybe deal with at the mag, but the, the more, you know, the celebrity based fitness, the, the headlining stuff, I even feel like that content is moving in a moment. It's a, it's a result of the industry changing, but even that content seems to be moving in a direction that's much less geared towards talking about just fat loss or here's this one workout that, which, you know, for a trainer, so, that's, that's infuriating, right? But I feel like that's yeah. going in a good direction. Um, you guys have the Marvel, this is, this is probably a dumb question. You guys have the Marvel movies over in, um, in, in England, right? The, the, the Marvel movies, did you say? Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm like the biggest uh, comic book geek in the world. So let's any, anything you want to, any rabbit hole um, you want to go down here is cool. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, we won't go too far down the rabbit hole because that's a that's another podcast. You 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 can you, you can just have me back there. Sure. Let's just do superhero fitness, back. yeah. <laughs> um, but one one thing uh, one thing I think so I I agree with you completely about um about kind of the approach and the evolution of celebrity fitness. I think celebrity fitness is always going to be the most aesthetic angle i mean you know arnold never had the you know arnold could have stood still in every single movie ever and everybody's going to watch it so it's never been kind of about like the movement that 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 people really need right it's always going to be a little bit aesthetic also because cgi is you know but one thing i've actually been been looking at in in marvel movies just as i watch them if, if you kind of chart the evolution of marvel movies and we skip Robert Downey Jr. because he's playing Tony Stark and the lead character mm. about that, right? In, ter in terms of visual, right? But when you talk about some of like, the, the more aesthetic guys, right? Like Chris Hemsworth as yeah. Thor, okay? That was, I mean, he still looks, you know, he, I, he, I mean, that's like genetically amazing. Um, yeah. And, you know, he looks, he looks, but he looks the part. Chris Evans uh, in Captain America looks the part. Um, Chris Pratt had that one moment where he really looked the part in uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. But um, one thing I've I've found interesting, and and I think again, it's, it, you're going to have this trickle down effect. I think start at like the elite level and then kind of move down in terms of how we perceive it as a society when it comes to um, physical fitness and physique, etc. But um, if you like, if if you've seen the new the new Doctor Strange movie, yeah, uh, I don't know like multiverse and madness that there's only one moment where first of all we've moved away and this is positive from like i swear every superhero movie ever early on had like that shirtless moment for the uh, yeah. for the hero um dr strange really doesn't have that except the moment very I, early in the movie when he wakes up in bed right and yes just sorry just and, to flag something there watching that happen and that kind of weird gratuitous it wasn't necessarily even gratuitous because it did make sense in the story but he could have had a t-shirt on but that that yeah. moment snapped me out of the film because it made me think about actually when was the last time not including chris hemsworth because i think he's the outlier when was the last yeah. time we had this in the marvel film because you always had the obligatory oh no actually in shang chi yeah. actually they, they, we did have it but they, at least they lampshaded it in shang chi by being like where's your shirt <laughs> yeah yeah but but yeah yeah we, we've had fewer of those moments but also yeah. um the body types because chris hemsworth Chris Evans, it, those were like, you know, those were amazingly aesthetic yeah. body types shot from like perfect angles with perfect lighting. Um, but Benedict Cumberbatch in that moment wasn't. He yeah. looked like, I mean, he, I don't know if he trained for that film at all. And that's fine. And I think that yeah. is, I think if, if it's occurring in, in 
at that kind of level, it's eventually going to trickle down to, to how men perceive themselves. And yeah. I think that's good. Yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. I think in any, this goes beyond fitness, but in any kind of like cause, you just need to have a few charismatic people or people being successful mm-hmm. and showing that actually this other element. So in this case, we're talking about how you look, your body is tangential or it's not related. I think when we constantly show, Hey, here's a successful heroic, whatever it is, whether that's in media or whatever it is, and they have a six pack, it's too easy to conflate them things. Right. And the, yeah the trickle down effect of not, and he was, he was lean, like he had visible abs, right? But, yeah. Um, yeah. You, and, that's a, you and I would look it, at him and, yeah, we'd be like, does, does he work out though? Like you could, you could argue that he doesn't. Right. Um, yeah. And that's great. It's great that we're moving into that space, I think. Yeah. And I think that, I think that's kind of your, your superhero, um, or that's kind of your, your, your Hollywood fitness um, solution over the long term. I yeah. think, uh, yeah, but it, it's interesting how we have to have that conversation. You're right, because after I said it, I kind of realized how it could be taken. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, <laughs> yeah, it's, I yeah, guess I gotta yeah, work yeah, on that a little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah, no, and it is, and it's good, and it's cool. I think what we need to do is that's great. Like you and I, I think we've done it a couple of times in this podcast where we kind of acknowledge that, Hey, I'm going to say this, but this is something I'd probably need to work on. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying Benedict Cumberbatch looks shit. (laughs) Like I'm not saying that I'm not saying that you can have like who cares for starters and who's, who's the judge. Uh, but yeah, he did, he did have visible abs and we're also not saying that that's the hallmark. Like you've said that already, right? You've said that's not the, yeah. you know, that's not the hallmark of it, but it is, I do think it's a positive change. The, the change, yeah. the, the, the fact that you don't now have to be completely stacked. And I think I actually want to table this because I do think this is a whole other podcast talking about bodies in, in, yeah. um, in media. I think this could, this be a great conversation, but if you watch the kind of, the transition from Arnold Stallone, like larger than life, yep. probably not achievable for most guys, definitely not achievable naturally for most guys. Um, and then I think there was another big sort of pivotal turning point with uh, Snyder's 300 with the guys in that mm. where it kind of redefined, okay, these guys actually aren't that big. And, you know, they trained with Mark Twight, they trained with the Jim Jones guys. So the training they were doing was very different. And then RDJ in the, the first Ironman, like he had abs and it, you know, he had the, he had a, a hint of a bicep vein, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. I remember it, that. It's not like yeah. he had huge capped delts and like traps up to his ears. Uh, it, it would kind of, he kind of looked, you look, you could kind of look at him and go, yeah, I guess that guy looks like he does work out, I guess. Either that or he's just, like genetically lucky or does something physical there was there was not this thing of like god if i want to look like that i need to get in the gym and i suppose the only outlier in the industry here is the is probably the rock and john cena yeah um in <laughs> that they're like a, they're a throwback to these i don't think anyone's really looking at the rock though are they and or by i would hope most people aren't looking at dwayne johnson and going it is perfectly achievable for me <laughs> I'm, so, <laughs> I'm so like forget yeah. the part like forget the fact that 
forget socioeconomic barriers, forget, you know, the fact he has access to his own, like all those micro things, like has access to his own gym, takes it with him everywhere he goes. There's other things at play. Um, and I don't think anyone is really, he's like out there, right? He's, no yeah. one's really looking. And I think he's almost transcended that point where people just find the fact he works out inspirational more than what he looks like doing it. Yeah, well, and that's that, that, and, but that's the other thing, and that's a um, that, that's the other thing too, and kind of brings our discussion a little bit full circle because it is about it is about fitness media and fitness social media and guys like The Rock are all about inspiration, right? Yeah. And so the trick is, uh, and, and there's and, and so there's nothing wrong with that. So the guy's gonna like like The Rock is always gonna kind of be a huge motivator. It, it's crazy because he's like forty nine years old 50 mm. or something like that, and in that shape, and and so that's. It, because he is larger than life, he is inspirational. I think we're always going to sort of really, really appreciate those larger than life, like life presences. Um, yeah. And and we should. It's just how we kind of um. And and, and our goal. I, I think that's the interesting path that we chart here at Men's Health. Our goal is to you know, inspire and appreciate that, but at the same time, create that level of accessibility that we're evolving towards and that yeah. like, and drive us towards um, greater accessibility and a lot less of, you know, the intimidation of, of, you know, just the eighties and nineties. Yeah. I yeah. I, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I think that the, particularly with uh, guys like the, the how we tear people like I, I mean if the rock posts a workout he's done i'll look just for just curiosity because it's what i do but i don't think yeah. you know it's got no application really to the to the rest of us whereas i think if someone is telling you what the workouts uh, you know daniel craig or benedict cumberbatch those are probably the things people should be paying attention to right um yeah rather than yeah, yeah. Anyway, I hope that's the way we're going. But I do genuinely, I want to pin that because I do genuinely think that's a whole cool conversation yeah. we could have around body types and who's the outliers and the, the history of, of that in media. But I'm really conscious of what it must be like 3 a.m. there. So I'm really conscious of your time. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've got a, the final section of the show we do of everybody. We call it Toolbox Talk. It's just quick fire questions, hoping to give readers some really actionable takeaways, uh, things they can implement into their their own life so i'm going to just throw these at you if you could make one book or yeah. piece of media compulsory reading or watching for either people new to the industry training or just everybody what would it be and for what reason this does not need to be a book just something someone could go away and digest that you think could change their outlook um wow that's a tough one but i really like um so last year we did a story um on limb length actually and how your the different length of your limbs really affects your ability to do certain movements. Mm -hmm. um, I think it kind of speaks to the heart of some of the stuff you and I have talked about a little bit today about, and, and it also speaks to the heart of, you know, maybe, maybe that exercise isn't for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I think that's a really, really good piece of reading that can help everybody understand that, that you got to customize your workout to you a little bit. Is that online? Um, it should be. Yeah. I can, yeah. I can, I'll dig up that link and I'll send it to you. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. Well, I imagine if you just Google men's health limb length, you'll find, you'll find something, but yeah, that sounds, I actually, I have read that. If you go back in time and speak to yourself in the first year or two of your training or your career, what advice would you have for yourself? Um, it's funny. Cause I've been thinking about that, um, 
a lot is kind of everything I've been through and kind of how it shaped me. And even during this discussion, I would say, don't change a thing, but know that everything is going to be okay. Because, um, yeah, because I think where I'm at um, has helped us get this really good discussion tonight. This comes up really often, that, that a similar answer to that, where people, and you, you articulated it really well, but sometimes people are just super stumped. And I realized that, I guess it's kind of the... Um, there's a correlation between people you're going to be chatting to on a podcast and uh, yeah. being comfortable where they are in life. Right. I imagine if you went to, I don't know, the job center, I don't know what, what you have a job center, what the equivalent <laughs> of like the job center is in the U S it would be different, but yeah, that's hindsight's great. Right. Hindsight would be fantastic to relieve anxiety a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly what one or two daily or weekly habits and actions possibly unique to you do you feel have contributed most to your success and feel free to talk um, trading here or yeah i think um i'll give you i'll give you one that's um that's training related and one that's kind of just i think so every morning i try to wake up about the exact same time it's usually 5 30 in the morning um so just like two and a half hours from now so that's not a good thing but um i try to um i kind of ask myself like what's the what's the game for today um and really kind of like map out my my basically map out my schedule okay from this time i'm going to do this i'm going to eat i'm going to train somebody um and you know by six o'clock i'm going to be thinking about the gym and i don't always stick to it but i think kind of going into the day with the plan um helps me kind of just you know it gives me like a finish line and a start line and i think that's really really um important i think this, the same thing for um for for my training um i think the big thing that i would say is just um you know i try to i try to always make sure whatever my week plan is um i try to stick to it because i think that like maintaining some level of consistency um you know sometimes i set out too much in a week um and i wish i hadn't sometimes you know i um i i don't do enough but um i you know I stick to a plan and I think it's just about having a plan when you go into the gym that can kind of get you um, results. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you need to, uh, you need to know what you're doing to do it. Right. Not just that uh, yeah. free fall, free fall for it. Can you name one item that you've purchased or acquired relatively inexpensively that has given you a huge return on investment? So something that you think someone could just jump on Amazon or whatever it is right now, order, and it would change the quality of their life. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I, I don't think people need much, you know, um, I can't really think of it. I can't, I cannot, especially affordable. Um, can't think of anything. Not really helpful. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. And do you know what I think though? And I, I think this, this question often catches people out because the, I think the things that are most important or useful or utilitarian to you, you don't really notice. Yeah. Like I would tell, I would say, you know, buy a notebook from the gym or buy that. But these are things that we just take for like such, they're just, of course, like, why would I not have that? You don't really, it's the subtlety of the life changes, right? Yeah. Is is there anything you take to the gym or around your training that you'd like probably wouldn't want to train without or live without? Um, yeah, I mean, I have a pair of, uh, of, um, of, of beats, um, those wireless power beats. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's probably the thing. 
you know, I was trying to keep it affordable, but yeah, it's like, that's probably the thing I can't live without. Um, because I think my, my music definitely helps me get into my workout. And if I don't, I don't listen to a podcast. I was listening to, you know, like a bunch of tunes that I can't even name on here. But, um, you know, I think, uh, I think having that, having that music kind of keeps me in my zone. So, yeah. yeah. I've switched now. I've gone there. I used to be no music at all, just from being outside or whatever. And then it would be like, I'm going to put on a rap or like some like punk from growing up. And now I listen to like podcasts and audiobooks, like where I'm doing just like more bodybuilding style stuff. I don't need to be in that super like uh, sympathetic state until I get to my top yeah. sets. Then I have like a playlist that is just, you know, hardcore yeah. to switch on. If you could only perform one exercise or movement for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? And you can have you can have locomotion, you can have walking, running as a given, but just one resistance movement. Oh God! Um, well, I'm between two. I'll give them both to you. Um, probably in this order. Um, it's a deadlift in a row, and it's the deadlift because I think I mean the deadlift is going to hit your entire posterior chain, and that's the thing that most people are missing. That's the thing that yeah. you and I are getting jacked up on right now because we're just sitting this entire time. Um, the row for similar reasons, I think we all need a little more scapular traction in our lives. So we all need more mid back muscle. And I think the underrated thing about the row is for anybody who wants a broad chest, pulls your shoulders back. Yeah. So it makes that chest look bigger. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you and I as well are both, um, huge advocates of, uh, the horizontal row as something I noticed yes. about us a little while ago. I was like, we both do a ton of rowing. Like if I'm just on Instagram, I'm like, there's Ed's rowing. <laughs> but yeah, like highly, highly underrated the, the horizontal row in terms of movement patterns and yeah, deadlift for posterior chain. Um, you, you, I think you're probably the, and we're in, must be into the twenties now for people, saying, for people <laughs> yeah. saying deadlifts, right? Uh, dude, where can people find you online? Um, my Instagram is at Ebenezer Samuel 23. Um, so my full name 23. Um, and there and we have it. I, I Thank have you for listening in. Guys, if you enjoyed today's is, episode, so, um, it would yeah, be great. Stick with the Instagram and then on Men's Health Muscle, that's, that's on the new your YouTube channel. And um, we're hitting a lot of videos. Any feedback you've got, please send it over via social media. Thank you so much for your time. It's morning for both of us. But yeah, I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate the podcast. The fact thanks you're for tuning probably going to get minimal sleep now. This uh, means a lot to me, dude. So <laughs> thanks a lot. No problem. Let's do it again sometime. Yes, um, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy the day. Okay. Likewise, dude.